Well, hey guys, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space where we can kick off our shoes, rip off the mask, and take a deep breath of truth and encouragement. Because I don't know about you, but I could always use a little more of that. Well, my name is Jen Jewell, and I have the joy of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a brand new episode into your earbuds, your speakers, every other Tuesday. And The Messy Table is partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, while simultaneously remaining passionate about locking arms with courageous women from all over the world, from all over the global church, who are willing, just willing, to share a piece of their story. You know, we each have one unique perspective, one specific vantage point. But when we take a moment to share our individual stories, to share what God has done, we can learn and connect, and ultimately, we can grow. Well, not only is May Foster Care Awareness Month, which we talked about in the last episode with Dr. Deb Shropshire, but it's also Mental Health Awareness Month. And one of the most beautiful things about being alive at this time in history, yes, even when it's been a roller coaster year, is that we can be just doing the dishes or driving to work or out for a run or hiding in the bathroom from a toddler. Yet we can still get high quality encouragement from someone who's been there. So I was just reading Psalm 42, where the psalmist is just crying out to God. And he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Another version says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Which to me models the importance of taking inventory of our souls and the value of being willing to ask ourselves those hard questions. Then the psalmist goes on to preach to himself, to remind himself of the truth saying, I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again. So here to help us do a little self-examination and to point us back to truth is a firecracker of faith with a wealth of wisdom. Robin May is a wife and girl mom and certified life coach and licensed mental health therapist and an author and speaker. And together with her husband, Lee, they lead Transforming Faith Church just outside of Atlanta. And guys, there is something just so refreshing about listening to someone who spews encouragement. So open mouth and insert fire hose, and maybe just pretend like you're reclining on a velvet couch right next to this messy table. And this session's on the house. So get comfortable, grab your coffee, and join me for a chat with Robin. Well, Robin, I am super excited to chat with you and to hear your story. So welcome to The Messy Table. I am so excited to be here. And Jen, just the name of the podcast is everything because it just summarizes the reality of our stories. It can be messy, but beautiful. Yes, exactly. Man, you're already preaching. Okay, so before (laughs) we really dig in first, we would love to just know who we're hearing from. So tell us a little bit about you and what you're all about. So it's so funny. I am a Texas native, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. And so sometimes when I'm talking to people, I spell the words because sometimes that accent comes so strong. (laughs) But I am a Texas native that lives in Atlanta, Georgia now. And I am uh, personally a mom to three pretty amazing girls darling. Um, Yeah, this year we have a birthday season. So this year around the summertime, they all turn 
the next age. So I will have a seven-year-old, 12-year-old, and 14-year-old. Okay. Um, so it's a party in the summer. Yes. Oh, my God. And trying to navigate having this seven-year-old and then this teenager and then one in the middle. I am a wife to my college sweetheart. Um, we've been together. You're not going to believe this, Jen, but we have been together, not married, but together almost 30 years. What? Is that not Yes. Were you like one when you got together? Were you in diapers together? (laughs) Clearly. But we have been together for quite a long time. He really is my person. Um, Professionally, I am a therapist, a mental health therapist, and a certified life coach. And I just say that because there is a difference between coaching and counseling. Yeah. No, that's good. So I do both. Um, and my passion really is speaking. And I like to tell people, Jen, that I have a two-lane highway. I'm really, really passionate about helping women walk in their purpose and understand that the scripture tells us, listen to this, the Bible tells us um, in Hebrews that he is not pleased with the one who shrinks back. And so I try to help women not to shrink back. I want mm. you to walk fully in your purpose and destiny. And then I try my best to help couples get out and stay out of the roommate zone. So that's what I do professionally. I do a lot of speaking, counseling, and coaching. So you can bring this up a little bit more later, but I'm interested in this whole roommate zone thing. Like, give us some tips. Come on, we need it. I'll be happy Especially coming out of 2020 and now in 2021. Like, a lot of people are just surviving. Oh, yeah. And so when I talk about helping couples get out and stay out of the roommate zone very quickly, Jen, I try to normalize that for people because a lot of times we think our crazy and our household is unique, but all of us have some type of crazy going on. Mm -hmm. And I like to tell couples that everybody I have met professionally or personally, including my husband and I, (laughs) we have either been headed to the roommate zone, smack dab in the roommate zone or coming out of it. And so when you normalize that, you can put some strategies in place to make sure that that doesn't become your norm. It's one thing to visit it every once in a while. You don't want that to be your norm. I want you to have a marriage that is mutually fulfilling and God-centered. And so when I talk about helping couples get out and stay out of the roommate zone, it's pretty simple. And we can talk about that a little bit later. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm excited. Um, so first I want people to know that if they're not already following you on Instagram, that they need to be. And for many reasons, but one of those is that your youngest daughter, who yes. I'm guessing you're saying she's six, about to be seven. Yes. Uh, she gets on these videos with you and she like, I want to be her bestie. Yes. She is wise beyond her years, yes. has a little bit of an attitude that's just like yes. darling. And I'm obsessed with her. Yes. You two together are so cute. Yeah, she is my girl. And I like to say all three of my daughters have a part of me. And let me tell you about Riley. That's the baby who is about to turn seven. The thing that's so unique about her, and I think all of us can find this. She is that part of me that is... um free Mm. that that um, doesn't realize yet that the world doesn't revolve around her she's still convinced that the world revolves around her and Mm -hmm. she really believes that she should be celebrated and that um, when she walks in the room we all should be clapping right and so I remember being that girl, you know, life happens and some of that gets watered down, Mm -hmm. but she reminds me, oh no, you can be older, have gone through life and you can still live free. 
Um, and so that's my memory. So yes, if you don't follow me for any other reason, Riley is everything. <laughs> There's lots of other reasons. Okay. <laughs> lots of other reasons. Yes. I love that though. She hasn't yet bought into any of the lies that the world tries to throw at us. Yeah, exactly. Um, recently, Jen, my father passed away in February of this year. And, you know, his passing has been devastating to our family. Mm. But I will say that I've gotten so many life lessons just in his passing, just things that God has revealed to me about me and my journey. But I'm saying that to say, I used to always tell people when I left Dallas, Texas and came to Atlanta, I was confused because my dad made me feel like when I walked in the room, people need to get up and start clapping. Mm. Like he, he just made me feel like I was just everything. He just had that way up about himself. And I remember coming to Atlanta feeling like these folks must not know who I am because no, nobody is getting up and <laughs> celebrating me like my Where dad is did. my standing ovation? Yeah, <laughs> what's happening? Um, and it's just a, a reminder that the same way my earthly daddy felt like I was just the bomb. Jen, our heavenly father feels that way about us. Mm. He just feels like we are the bomb. Like he sees us and he celebrates. Oh, if you can just get that picture in your mind, when our heavenly father sees us, even with our mess, even with our crazy, even with our stuff, he's still clapping. He's still applauding. He's still saying, that's my creation. And if we can see that, like Riley still does, if we could see that, we'd walk in the world a little differently. Mm. Why do you think we have so much trouble believing it? Because you said it earlier, you took a hint at it, that we began to believe the lies. Mm. And we began to allow what we've been through to shape and distort us in a way that it was never intended to. Um, we began to lose that connection. We forget to listen because God is speaking. The Holy Spirit is speaking to our inner man, but we start to let the noise of the world crowd that out, mm -hmm. right? And so what I like to tell people is that we all have a defining moment in our journey. And one of the things I love, Jen, is to help people in my one-on-one -on -one work to, I say this all the time, to pause and pay attention if you listen to any of my videos, if you listen to me speaking, I often will at some point say, listen, y'all, we need to pause and pay attention. And what do I mean by that? Well, we all have these defining moments in our life where something happened or something occurred that took us off our game, that shook us up a little bit, that caused us to see life through a perspective that probably isn't healthy. Mm. And we are moving so fast, Jen. We're moving so fast. Life is happening so quickly. We don't pause long enough to pay attention to those patterns. And what's so crazy, you can't pay attention to the patterns by yourself. Okay. That's why you need community. You need someone in your life mm -hmm. that can help you. So let me tell this really quickly. <laughs> you know, Jen, I, I love telling stories. Let me tell this story very quickly. And, and I shared, I have three daughters mm -hmm. and one of my daughters is now 14. And for many years, she swam. She, she did swimming uh, competitively. And my other daughter, Reagan, is a gymnast. Ooh. So one summer we were in the middle of track and I mean, uh, swim and gymnastics. So we're at a gymnastics meet. My middle daughter, Reagan, she's competing. The meet is over and it's time for the award ceremony. 
But remember, my oldest daughter, Ryan, at that time was a swimmer. So Ryan comes up to me and says, mommy, let's go back to the hotel because this meet happened to be out of town. She says, let's go back to the hotel. And I'm like, we have to do the award ceremony. No, I want to go back to the hotel so that we can go swimming because she's a swimmer. Mm -hmm. And I said, Ryan, we can't go back to the hotel and go swimming. We need to stay and watch Reagan at her award ceremony. So Ryan is clearly having an attitude. And so I said, (laughs) can I help you? What's the problem? Why do I sense an attitude? And Ryan said this. She said, mommy, can I be honest? I said, yeah. Please. She said, it, it's just not fair. I said, what's not fair? We always stay for Reagan's award ceremony for her gymnastics meet. We always stay. And we never hear this, Jen. She said, we never stay for my award ceremony for swimming. I always have to get my award the next day at practice. So I'm looking very puzzled because I'm like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. She goes on. She goes on and she says, and I know it's because you were a gymnast. You don't even like to swim. Uh, And I know it's because when you were a kid, you were a gymnast. So you want to stay for the gymnastics uh, meet award ceremony. She created a whole narrative. Then she had a whole story. And so I told her, I said, Ryan, guess what? There is no award ceremony for your swim meets. Everybody gets their medals the next day at practice. <laughs> she thought she and just a few other people were getting the medals and everybody else was getting They're just theirs. getting gypped. Yeah, it's something awards ceremony. So Jen, listen to them. And I want everybody listening to us to see if the Holy Spirit had not allowed me to intervene in that moment, my daughter would have carried a story her entire life that her parents, her mom and her dad, <laughs> was catering to one child over the other. And it just simply was not true. Mm -hmm. So Jen, when you ask me, why do we begin to forget? It's because those moments happen. Life happens to us. We create a story. We come to some conclusions. We make accusations. And those things get rooted Mm -hmm. in our core beliefs. And when we don't take a moment to pause and pay attention and hear this, get to the truth Mm -hmm. you know and nowadays we talk about this is my truth no we need to get to the truth exactly and for us as people of faith the truth is the word of god and so we need help peeling back those layers but you know i could keep going and going so let me stop okay so i was actually introduced to you through an awesome organization called leading and loving it and we've had Lori will on and several others who are associated with it and this is why i wanted to have you on because when i hear you speak you tell us what we need to hear and you don't hold back. And so I so appreciate it. Obviously, just as we have already discussed, uh, life is messy. Life is messy and it's not always easy and it's not always perfect. Mm -hmm. You kind of already alluded to losing your dad just recently, Mm -hmm. Uh, but peel back some layers for us. Tell us a little bit more just about whenever you've just experienced some challenges, but still God has been faithful. Well, oh my God, so many stories I could share. But right when you said that, one of the things that that really stood out for me is two things really that that stood out. But I'll start with this. Approximately now, maybe 10 years ago, um, it, it maybe nine or 10 years ago, my family and I faced a pretty devastating time. We um, were living in our home and our home actually had experienced some flooding. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need y'all to pause and listen to this. Whenever it would rain, I would have to be worried that the house would flood. 
which that by itself is just ridiculous. <laughs> like it, it's raining and you're like, oh Lord, when I come home, the rain's going to be in the house, uh, right? Were you in a floodplain? Jen, that's what's so ridiculous. No. Okay. And it wouldn't happen to anybody else in the neighborhood, but my house. And so clearly there was something going on. Well, fast forward. And when I say flood, I want to give you guys a picture. Like it had to be really bad rain. And like maybe the the living room or the den, the water would have come in and they got to come in and pull up the carpet and bring in those big fans. But fast forward a few years and there was a really bad rainstorm in Atlanta and we ended up losing everything we owned. Um, we had to be rescued out of the upstairs window. It was one of the most devastating oh my times. Word. And it was challenging for many reasons, not just losing things that really mattered to you, but just feeling devastated at loss. Not the stuff, yeah. but just the devastation of, wait a minute, I don't have anything. And, and one of the things God showed me, one of the beautiful lessons, one of the beautiful lessons that we got through that was two things that changed my understanding about community. And I say that a lot, but one of the things I found, Jen, is that so many of us live on Isolation Island. Mm -hmm. We live life by ourselves. And it's often because of past hurts, mm -hmm. past disappointments. And it's real stuff. It's not stuff you've made up. Right. It's real stuff. But it's caused you to put up a wall. Right. But here's the thing. And if, I'm, if anybody's listening to me right now who that's resonating with you you're like yeah Robin I put up some walls I want you to understand what you're doing hmm. the wall that you have erected either consciously or subconsciously while it may be keeping the bad folks out it's also keeping the good folks out mm. and you are wondering why you're by yourself or you're wondering why you got to do it all alone and oh my god I'm gonna step on some toes but let me say this do it you may even be playing the martyr like it's always only me I right. have to do it and some of that might be true absolutely but some of it could be very true but this is and hear me hear me Jen and I want the listener to hear me and back to this idea of loss and what God showed me is that we build these walls and these walls are individual bricks. And so if you could see a visual, I want you to see yourself outside with all these bricks in front of you. And you took brick one and brick two and brick three. And those bricks have created this wall in your life. And you're saying, yeah, because I'm protecting myself. I'm keeping the bad folks out. But remember, you're keeping the good folks out as well. You are self-sabotaging and keeping the very thing you really long for mm. out. Mm -hmm. So when we lost everything we owned, one of the things God showed me was the power of community. Because, Jim, when I say both of our cars were ruined, we didn't have cars, we did mm -hmm. not have clothes, we did not have furniture. We literally stood outside of our house looking at it flooded and it started pouring down rainy. In that moment, we're all me, my mom, my daughters. I only had two daughters at the time. My husband comes wading out the water. We lost everything. 
And if it had not been for community, if it had not been for God's people mm-hmm. coming and wrapping their arms, bringing boxes of clothes to me and my children, bringing uh, food for us, if it somebody opening up their home saying, come stay here, we don't even live there right now. So just come stay here. We would have been devastated. And so I want to talk to the person who is like, Robin, I feel by myself. I feel alone. I need you to hear me. This is not about fault. When we're having to face, Jen, the tough stuff, and we're having to begin to pause Mm -hmm. and pay attention to our life, we often hear it through a lens of blame and fault. Mm -hmm. This is not blame or fault. It happens to all of us. We all tell ourselves a story. We all find ways to self-protect. And so this is not about blame or fault. It's just about being curious. Mm. I want you to be curious enough to look at your life. And when you hear me saying, I lost everything I own. And if it had not been for community, God's people coming around and circling around us, we would have been devastated. When you hear me say that, I want you to pay attention to how that feels. And if you feel something coming up that feels um, agitated, that feels annoyed at the thought, pay attention to what you're feeling, pay attention to what you're thinking. Are you saying, yeah, that's good for her, but nobody would have been there for me. Mm. Or I know if it was me, we would have been stronger. If you start to find yourself thinking like that or saying that, I just want you to pay attention and consider if some of those bricks you've put up are based on a story that's simply not true. Mm. And if you could dismantle the, you see my moving my hands. If you could just, <laughs> I love it. Some of those bricks. They can't see you, but I can see you. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said, let me say it. If you could begin to dismantle some of those bricks, what would happen? Because let me go back to what I said. God never intended for us to live on isolation island. Come on. He intended for us to live in community because in community is where we truly grow. Right. And so I know, um, Jim, when I say that, I'll hear people tell me, but how? I mean, what in the world? I'm I, Here I am now. Mm-hmm. I'm 40. I'm 50. I'm 60. It is what it is. Well, and it's not always as obvious as you were just in a huge flood and you lost exactly. your house. You lost everything, right? Because a lot of times people have to raise the flag and say, I'm alone. I'm struggling mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of other people recognizing it. Absolutely. And so I think it starts with us being courageous enough to admit that. Mm. It starts with us being courageous enough to admit it. So can I give you the mantra again? We have to pause and pay attention. Mm -hmm. Because that feeling you have, like you said, yeah, so for us, it was this huge flood And we didn't even, people just rallied. And so we had the opportunity to see real time what community looked like and felt like. But absolutely, there are times when you are feeling some kind of way and you're feeling by yourself. And I want you to pay attention to that and ask yourself, wait a minute, what is happening that has created this disconnect in significant relationships? Have I built a wall that is keeping the bad folks out? Understandably so, understandably so, because imagine this, there are people who are listening to us, Jen, who've had hurt after hurt, disappointment after disappointment. And so human nature is to self-protect. Sure. 
human nature. If I come toward you and it looks like I'm about to hit you, you're going to throw your arms up to self-protect. Mm-hmm. And so, again, this is not blame or fault, but it's just paying attention. So that was one thing that I, I would love for anyone listening to take away is that God never meant for us to live on Isolation Island. And it was at our worst time that God showed me how beautiful it is to be in community and to Mm -hmm. have people around. And he showed me the power of his provision. Mm -hmm. And he showed me the power of his provision because if I'm transparent, as I always am, I have learned a bad habit. Um, and I'm calling it a bad habit. It could probably better be described as a sin because, um, you know, we try to make it cute. And <laughs> right. I call it a bad habit. A mistake. But, <laughs> yeah. And one of the patterns in my own life is that I tend to take on the responsibility for provision for me. Mm. I tend to take on the responsibility for provision for me. And because, Jen, I'm a go-getter, yeah. because I'm a box checker, mm-hmm. because I take care of business, right. because I'm a hard worker, I can get confused and think that I'm the one that's providing. All right. Well, I was going to ask you, was it hard for you 10 years ago to accept that help? Or were you just so desperate? Girl, I, it- wish you, I wish they could see me. I wish they could see me passing <laughs> out. <laughs> If it had been up to me, I would have kept a list of everybody who gave anything and I would have repaid them all back. Like Mm -hmm. if it was up to me, I would have kept a list. You gave 10, you gave bread, you gave shoes. And as soon as I got back on my feet, I would have gave you your 10. I would have gave you your bread. I would have gave you your shoes. And that's the reason why I said God showed me the power of community Mm -hmm. and the power of his provision. Because, Jen, it was so humbling. It was so humbling Mm -hmm. for me to have to accept that from others. And God had to show me, boo. You accepting that from me. Hmm. You're saying it's from others, but you're, I am choosing to bless you through other people. And so the other lesson in that for me was really accepting. It doesn't matter how, well, even as I say it right now, clearly. It's a, <laughs> uh, so good. <laughs> oh, it's hard, girl. It is so hard for me. And even in this moment, it's the Holy Spirit reminding me again that it doesn't matter how hard I work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter all the things that I put into place. Right. It is God that provides, yeah. that he is my ultimate provider. And I can pay attention to when I'm getting that confused because I'm stressed out, because mm-hmm. I'm overworked, because I'm staying up late at night trying to figure it out. Sure. Instead of trusting him to be the one that provides. Mm. You're preaching to me when you were talking about having a need, but then also just like your daughter is comfortable feeling celebrated. And actually, as we're speaking, uh, we just released our 100th episode here at the Messy Table, which is so fun at the time of this recording. But I had some friends that just went crazy, like they threw a party, they sent flowers, they brought gifts. And Honestly, like there was a moment where I just was in tears, but here's, here's part of it. Not just because I'm grateful, but it was like, they totally interrupted their schedules to look out for you to plan these things. My husband came and I know that he loves me. I know yes. he cares, but I'm like, we just finished a really busy weekend. I know you got to work. Yes. Like I know you have things to do. And it was almost hard to accept 
accept, even though it was wonderful and I was so overwhelmed. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. It sounds silly, but... No, it makes total sense. And you're talking to a therapist, Jen. And so I believe everything is processable. That's my word. It's processable. Everything is processable because that's what I mean right there. When I talk about pausing and paying attention, like in the moment, you're just celebrating, you're excited, you're looking around like, oh my God, look at all of this. But in your quiet time, that's worth looking at, mm-hmm. you know, looking like, gosh, what is it that makes it hard for me? When did that start happening? Because again, yeah. for Riley Joy, my six-year-old, about to be seven-year-old, honey, she ain't bothered by it. She's like, celebrate me. But already <laughs> for my 11-year-old, she's like, uh-uh, right. I don't want all of that. And I love to celebrate other people. Yes. So that's the funny thing. It's like, no, of course I would have done it too. But it's like, I feel bad. Like, I don't mean to interrupt your life. Yes. And it's like, no, stop it, Jen. We want to be here. Yeah, and so, I, think, anyway. I think that is such a beautiful example of what I mean by looking at how you show up and and why you do the things you do it is very very powerful and so to that point though like when you said something very very challenging that was just one example Jen I could take you through example after example where life happens Mm -hmm. and that's why I said I love the title of the podcast because one of the beautiful things about being a woman of faith is that he can take all of the cra- I always tell people he was into recycling before recycling got popular. <laughs> he can take all of our stuff and yeah. make it beautiful. Like really make it beautiful. Yeah. Really make it beautiful. And so when I look back over my life, I look back over circumstances that have happened and how he begins to reveal, hear this, whatever you're facing, I don't care what it is. I, I know y'all don't know me from Adam, I just want you to trust when I tell you this. We do. Listen, we trust you. (laughs) I'm glad because Jen, I don't care what it is you're facing. And I'm telling you this with such confidence because I have had the privilege of being on the front row of so many people's lives. I don't care what you're facing. He will reveal, God will reveal another attribute, another part of himself to you. If you just pause and pay attention, Hmm. he will reveal another attribute of who he is. You will experience him differently. You will see him differently, Mm -hmm. no matter what it is you're facing. The scariest part of your journey, I promise, he will reveal himself. And if we are women of faith and we can hold on to that promise, that regardless of what I'm facing, when I come out of this, I'm going to see him differently and see him more clearly, that may give you hope to keep going. Wow, yeah. Ugh, so good. Okay, so this isolation island, you know, even just saying that word, it just brings up all these images of this past year that we've gone through. Yes. So how has this related? Obviously, you lost your father. The world has been nuts. I'm sure there's been a lot of other things. Uh, how does that relate to all of that? Yeah, so one of the things I started encouraging our church members, my husband and I pastor a church. I didn't mention that at the beginning, but my husband and I pastor (laughs) pastor a church here in our local city. Um, We've been pastoring. September will be uh, four years. Love it. Um, And one of the things I kept encouraging them when we were talking about the pandemic and when we were in the midst of it, really, really at the beginning, I encourage them to stop saying social distancing Mm -hmm. because remember our words are powerful. Physical. Come on. (laughs) I say say physical distancing. I agree with you. Because 
the social distancing encourages us living on isolation island. Mm-hmm. And so this pandemic, because here's the deal. My personality, Jen, you might not be able to tell this, but I am what we call an ambivert, which means I do very well. I can turn on in public, but I get fueled by myself. So mm-hmm. I can do a combination of both. I can be out there and I can be, you know, laughing and talking to everybody, but there comes a point where I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. It's over. I'm past that point. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like an iPhone that just went dead. (laughs) Exactly. And so I need to recharge. But there's some people who are like, this isolation has been perfect for me Mm -hmm. because I like to do it. But that's why I keep saying that's not his intention. God did not intend for us to do life by ourselves. Well, it doesn't mean you have to be friends with the whole city, but having some key people in your corner. At all. And so this is not about quantity. This is about quality. Right. It's about because there are plenty of people. Let me say this. There are plenty of people who are surrounded by a lot of people mm-hmm. and they are not in community. Mm-hmm. Can feel alone in a crowded room. Yes. You can have a lot of people around you mm-hmm. and not be in community. And so this is not about quantity. And let me let me explain when we talk about community. I'm talking about where you are intentionally doing life, intimate life with other people Mm -hmm. so that you can grow spiritually and mature emotionally. That's what I mean by community. That you are intentionally in an intimate connection with other people where you can grow spiritually and mature emotionally. And that is an intention. You hear when I I keep using the word intention, you are intentionally putting yourself in those environments. Mm -hmm. And again, need everyone to hear me because when I talk about this, Jen, something comes up for people emotionally. They begin to feel some kind of way about it. And and I want you to pay attention to that feeling because this is not about blame. Remember, I keep saying that. And, And Jen, I say that so that people can take their guards down because people can hear that and feel like, um, well, I'm an introvert yeah. or um, or the opposite. I'm good because I got a whole crew. I got people. Yeah. But are you intentionally doing life with a group of people where you can be vulnerable? Jen, I've talked about a safe space a lot. A safe space is where we can have tough conversations without fear of retribution, mm. without fear of punishment. Yes. Yeah. So huge. Let me say it again. A safe space is where we can have tough conversations, have vulnerable conversations without fear of punishment, without fear of retribution, without fear of losing you because of this conversation. That's what I mean by safe community. I think a lot of people listening might be thinking right now, okay, that sounds great. But like, how do I do that? How do I Mm -hmm. find those people? Maybe I have those people in my life, but I'm not tapping into that. Like, what should my next steps be? So I will say this, let me normalize it again for you. Without intention, a lot of people don't have that safe space. So you're not alone. You're not by yourself. Yeah. And you can create it sometimes with the very people who you're in life with. Mm -hmm. So I always say you got to have the conversation. Talk about tough conversations. DTR. <laughs> let's define let's, the relationship, people. Yeah, let's rewind. Let's rewind and first say this. We know you have to be prayerful about this because sometimes you're wanting to connect with someone that God never intended for you to connect in that way. And you might be finding yourself frustrated because you're saying, Robert, well, I tried to connect with Sally and I tried to connect with Jill and she didn't want to connect with me. But I want you to be prayerful 
about who God is calling you to. And I promise he will make it clear to you. And again, why is this important? Because it is in community where we grow spiritually and mature emotionally. Mm -hmm. It is in community where we grow spiritually and mature emotionally. It is very, very challenging, if not impossible, to grow spiritually and mature emotionally completely by yourself. Mm. They like, you know, somebody has said before, um, when you talk to yourself, you're always right. <laughs> and, and if you're not, that might be a problem. Yeah. So you want, so again, this is not about having 20 folk. You can have a good two or three people that you're in community with. So I hope that takes down some of the pressure. Like It does. We're not telling you to create a basketball team here. Mm-hmm. And you're also not looking for God in a person. Yes. So, I mean, obviously God works through people, yes. but we're not saying, oh, this one person's going to be all things to me. Exactly. That's a lot of pressure. And, and that's where we get into trouble. Hear me. I'm about to drop a bomb on you. Do it. Even your spouse. Mm-hmm not meant to be your everything. I know it sounds romantic and I know the movies tell us that. <laughs> Even your man yeah. is not meant to be your everything. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, ain't no way Lee May can handle all of this by himself. It's just too much. <laughs> it is too much. All the stuff that goes on in my head, my husband will say, he'll tell me quickly, Jen, huh, that sounds like something good for you and your sister to process. That sounds like <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's good. It's a wise man. Yeah. So back to what we were talking about. How do you do it? First, you stay very prayerful. You really ask God to begin to show you who is it that he's calling you to connect with and take the pressure off. Don't say, now God, by Friday, I need to know who my people are. No, no, no. Take the pressure off. This is something you're being open to. And you'll be blown away when you intentionally make it a point of prayer, how it begins to happen organically. So then once you're kind of clear, like, you know what, Robin, I know, you know, I've been going to a care group with, with Stacy, and it just seems like she and I have a lot of synergy. That doesn't mean calling her up and saying, hey, Stacy, you're going to be my person. No, you just start building a friendship, building the relationship. But then there does come a point where the two of you, whoever you're going to do community with, and I've even done it with my husband. I've gone to my husband early on in our marriage and I've said, hey, babe, I just want to make sure that we have a safe space. I want you to know that I want you to feel free to come and share with me. Maybe we need to have a code word. Maybe there's a code when there's something major that you need to share with me. Maybe there's a code word that you say, babe, it, it, it's that time. Some I want to be that safe space for you. And I apologize if in the past I have hindered that unintentionally, but I want to be a safe space for you. I've done it with my children. Girls, listen, I want you to know that you can come and share with me. It may make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I may not know exactly how to respond. Mm-hmm. I might even get agitated, but I want you to know that I will always redirect. I will correct I want you to come and share with me. And so doesn't that feel like a breath of fresh air though? Yes. Like just knowing that there's a place to go where I can ask the questions, yes. I can say what I mean, and I'm not going to get kicked out. <laughs> yeah. So go back to that story with, with Ryan. When she said, can I be honest? That was our thing. Mm-hmm. The girls would always say, mommy, can I be honest? And of course, I always want them to be honest, but when they would say that, I knew it was something they were scared to say and they wanted to just say it. And so that was our code. Can I be honest? Okay, go ahead. Now, Jen, I am an old school mama. You still got to respect me now. You can't come crazy. But her saying that was her <laughs> open door 
to be able to say what was really on her mind. And so once you've prayed about it and you kind of know who those people are, I want you just to have that conversation. If it's a girlfriend with my, listen, I'm blessed. I am blessed. I have a circle of friends, but everybody is not a safe space. And so there are about two or three girlfriends that we know we'll say to each other, all right, we're going to keep it real. I'm going to be able to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, my intentions towards you are good. I'll tell one of my girlfriends, she'll ask me a tough question. And I'll be like, "Eh, you sure? And she knows, (laughs) are you sure you want my response? Yeah, that's good. It's because we've had that conversation to say, it's okay. I'll be that for you. And don't you think that sometimes you have different friends that you're going to connect with certain conversations more deeply? Like with some person, maybe you're talking about parenting more and with someone else, maybe you're talking about God on a really deep level and it's just different. That's okay. It's totally okay. And even... Being clear about that in your mind, even if you're not telling him, what I'm not going to do is talk to you about my marriage. You don't have to say that. (laughs) Yeah, right. But you can just be open and let them know that you want to be that for them and them for you as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to wrap back around to you losing your dad. And I don't know if it was COVID or something else, but you know, a lot of people have dealt with loss this year, whether they lost a person or maybe it was a relationship or maybe they've kind of felt like they've lost themselves. And so I would just love to hear your thoughts on loss. And then if we can get to it, how all of this has connected with mental health and what you've seen as a mental health therapist. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of loaded, but no. you just share what you want to share. <laughs> well, I do want to say very quickly, though, because I want to make sure that I am speaking to this initial thing that you said about isolation island and the pandemic, oh, yeah, because yeah. yes, many of us were thrust into what felt like isolation. And for not even felt for many people, it was isolation. And that's why it's so important. Even if you're still in a place where you're quarantining and you're like, I'm still by myself, it's to intentionally make connection, intentionally reach out, intentionally find those people. And hear me, even if you're like, Robin, there is no one around. Just take another look, take another look, reach out. Um, Even if um, it's FaceTime. Definitely, if it's FaceTime, I just want you to do that. Um, And then when we talk about loss, you know, one of the things that happened for me with losing my father, it it was not COVID, but it was very unexpected. Mm, Um, So sorry. It was unexpected and uh, drawn out, I would say. And, And what I mean by that is my dad went into the hospital in November of 2020. And we literally thought he was just going in because he had fluid on his legs or his legs were swollen. He was going to get that taken care of and come back out. November turned into December. December turned into January. And he just started to have a downward spiral. And he ended up going into hospice. And if anybody has dealt with anyone in hospice, you know that that journey feels excruciating. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things I have learned during this time very personally that I've talked people through professionally is that two things grief can feel very lonely even when you're fully surrounded grief can feel very lonely even when you're fully surrounded because no matter how many people are experiencing the loss no one is experiencing the loss like you and so my mom having been with my dad for almost 65 years, there's no way I can understand the loss to the way she does. My sister, 
um, and my dad had a different relationship, not better, just a different relationship than me. And so while we can understand each other in a lot of places, there are different times where I'm feeling really triggered by something that didn't trigger her mm. or, or a certain song will come on and it'll remind me of a song my dad and I used to sing on the way to gymnastics and she didn't have that memory. And so it could feel very, very um, lonely. Um, and I would like to suggest this. In those moments of loneliness, if, if you experience some loss and you're like, Robin, I get that. It, it can feel very, very lonely. I want you not to be afraid of it. Mm. I don't want you to be afraid of it. Okay. I, I want you to sit still for a minute because, Jen, what we all do is we, we try to get away from difficult emotions. Mm-hmm. Remember I said earlier, that if somebody is about to hit you, you're going to put your hands up to block because mm-hmm. nobody wants to sit there and, and experience that. So when we feel a distressing emotion, we definitely want to run away from it. And I want to encourage you to sit with it for a minute. And let me tell you why. Because that is when your heavenly father really gets to come in and do what he promised. He promised us that he was leaving a comforter, but we have to allow ourselves to be comforted. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the fear or the excruciating pain, the fear of the loneliness or the excruciating pain of the loneliness makes us want to get away from it. And we get away from it in so many ways. Some of us get away from it through substances. Some of us get away from it through staying busy. Some of us get away from it um, shopping. But sometimes, or a lot of times, We need to just allow ourselves to feel it. Remember I said earlier that I don't care what it is you're dealing with, that God will reveal a different level of himself, a different attribute. Mm -hmm. Just think about how good it would be to get on the other side of the grief, not rid of the grief, but on the other side of the grief and be able to say, oh my God, y'all, I saw him as a comforter. I experienced what it feels like for him to swoop in and wrap his arms around me. And so one of the more challenging parts of this time is that many people have had loss and were unable to grieve or to um, grieve and then mourn in what would be a traditional way. Many people couldn't even do services or couldn't honor their loved one the way they wanted to. And that, you know, uh, clinically, Jen, researchers are saying that it's they're calling it prolonged grief, yeah. and that that's going to be a whole new phenomenon. And so, if that's you, if you're hearing me say this, can I invite you? And I would love for you to share. You can DM me, and I would love to hear. I want to invite you to find your own way to honor your loved one. If your loved one loved the color purple, girl, go get twelve purple hmm. balloons and go to the park and release the balloons. If your loved one loves Shaka Khan, girl, if you don't put on Shaka Khan and do a good dance, like set a time, <laughs> 2 p.m. on Thursday, I'm going to turn on Shaka Khan and I'm going to do it. Find your own way. That's so good. To truly release and, and let go and breathe, not let go of memories, but to let go of the pain in a way that allows you to fully celebrate their life. Yeah. Even if you couldn't do a service, listen. Do a service your own way <laughs> and let me know so that I can celebrate you because mm-hmm. that is an important part. Being able to have a concrete time where you can say, you meant this to me and mm-hmm. I'm celebrating you. Man, that's helpful. 
to me, even processing through some different things. Yeah. So what about as a mental health therapist? Obviously, I know you've probably seen a lot this year, and I don't know if I don't know if it's looked different than a normal year or if it's just been magnified. Uh, but what are you seeing? Just a little tip that maybe you could share with everyone listening. So to answer that, has it been different or magnified? Um, probably both. Um, clearly, it's been different because particularly for professionals, it's not been a time where globally everyone is facing the same thing, mm. including the professional, right? Mm-hmm. And so right. It, it's different. <laughs> Can we just navigate this together? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that has been different, um, but it's also been intensified. You know, you talk about, when I talked about the roommate zone, a lot of couples didn't even realize the deficits in their relationship until the pandemic hit, because then there was no more distraction and they were face to face. So There are definitely, it's also been intensified. But what I have seen clinically um, is what has become more apparent to me is the limited um, strategies people have for soul care. And I've seen it more because as I'm trying to help people navigate ways to care for their soul. Now you hear I didn't say Mm self-care because self-care and soul care are two different things. Mm -hmm. Um, soul care is attending to your soul. And I have found that people have limited strategies and tools to soul care. And so what has happened is we've come into this pandemic and it was almost like we quickly went into overdraft because we just didn't have enough in the emotional bank Mm. to sustain us. Mm -hmm. Now, Jean, I'm going to preach that sermon because that that right there is a sermon. I'm going to preach that because (laughs) that is what our emotional bank went into overdraft very quickly because we just didn't have enough resources. Come on. Just didn't have enough resources. So how do you personally practice soul care? So I wish I could, if this was visual, so definitely follow me because May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month. Perfect. So I'm doing a lot for that. And one of the things I'm going to be doing is teaching people or showing people my soul care box. And I actually have it all the way over Okay. There. Well then we'll just put a plug in, everybody <laughs> go follow you and yes. then they can get all the secrets and tips. Yes. So I have a soul care box, uh, Jen, and it is just a visual reminder filled with things that helps me fuel my soul. Now that's different for every person. So Mm -hmm. for me, things that fuel me is number one, a really good journal, because I have to get all of this out of my head and Mm -hmm. I got to get it on paper because I process well by writing things out. Mm -hmm. So a very good journal, something sweet. So I have a Jen. I love Snickers. So I'm going to have a Snicker or something like that in there. Um, A lot of people do tea. I prefer coffee, but I have a cute coffee mug that Mm -hmm. I make sure I have my coffee in there. Cute coffee makes everything better. Yes. And I have a, so those are just some things like I'm naming these things that when I take time, there's always going to be a candle. There's always going to be fuzzy socks. So what is the difference? So I talked about self-care versus soul care. Yeah. Self-care is important. Sure. It is very important. And sometimes things can go in both categories. Overlap. Yeah. But self-care is getting your hair done, Mm -hmm. getting your nails done. Working out. Working out. And actually working out can go across the board with both. 
because of the endorphins that are released. That's but, true. I can attest to that. So, yeah. So self-care are things that, yeah, you got to do this. Taking a long shower, just taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Soul care is attending to your soul, mm-hmm. creating a space for God to be able to minister to your soul. Mm-hmm. And it is something you have to step away from. Soul care is often done by yourself. Step away from the chaos of your life to attend to your soul. So that's why I'm going to have in my soul care box, I'm going to have a candle because I'm going to light the candle. It sets the atmosphere for me. I'm going to have a journal because that's a space for me to be able to pour out. I'm going to have some type of device, probably my phone, not to be on social media, but to play some type of music that is ministering to my heart because I am creating a space to care for my soul. So when I said, you asked me what's going on with mental health during this time, what I have found is that we got to create more strategies for ourselves that allows us to minister to our soul so that when life happens, we have enough in the bank Mm -hmm. that we don't go into overdraft. And a community around us, right? And a community around us to support us. I'm taking notes here. Yes. Good job. Yeah. I love it. So Jen, I know we are going to wrap up, but I want to make sure that anybody listening to me, if, if there's one thing I want you to pay attention to, If there's one thing I want you to listen into is what I said earlier, and I'm going to keep saying it. It is my mantra that I want you to be courageous enough to pause and just pay attention, Mm -hmm. to pay attention to your patterns, to pay attention to how you feel, to be able to separate your thoughts from your feelings. Because when we are courageous enough to slow down long enough to pay attention Jen, we'll begin to tap into what the Holy Spirit really is wanting to minister to us. And why is that important? So that you can experience the freedom that he promised. Mm. So many believers, Jen, so many believers, and it's one of the things that breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. But so many believers are living in bondage Mm -hmm. and that is not his intention. You absolutely can live free, Mm. but you got to pause and pay attention. Yeah, that's so helpful. Okay, obviously you're full of resources, but do you have any specific ones that you just want everyone to hear and know about? Well, yeah. So one of the things, so I told you earlier that I have what's called a two-lane highway. Mm -hmm. uh, And one is just empowering women. And the other one is equipping couples. And particularly in my work with couples, I do have an amazing course, Jen, that people can take advantage of. It's two things, actually. One is absolutely free. If you go to my website, robinmayonline.com, you can find it. Perfect. It is an absolutely free um, webinar on that topic of getting out and staying out of the roommate zone. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely free. You just go to my website and just look for the information about marriage and just follow the links to that. And you can find the getting out and staying out of the roommate zone webinar. It is absolutely free. I'm telling you, (laughs) it sounds amazing because I feel like after this year, all of us have kind of been in survival mode, especially yes. if we've had kids at home doing distance learning and all the craziness. And sometimes you're just making life happen. Absolutely. When, you know, there's so much more. And remember, I keep saying this is not about blame or fault. You just got to yeah. pay attention to it. Yeah. And so that and then I also have an amazing course that I have just really, really um poured my years of expertise into like this is my baby and it is to help couples communicate more effectively so they can definitely check that out as well if you go to robin may online so good well i will link those things up and just as we wrap up i would just love to hear if you have one more final word of encouragement just something that you really want everyone to hear and know and just take along with us 
Yeah. Um, I would just say that when I think about what is the message that God has for me to share with those that he has called me and given me the privilege to speak to is what I just said, that you get to live an abundant life. He really did call for us to live intentionally, fully engaged. But there is something, Jen, unique and special and crafted and created specifically for you to give to the world. And that many times life happens and it waters that down. But if you would just have the courage to tap into all that he's created you to be, you, yes, you, whoever's listening to me right now, you have a mandate that can change the world. Hmm. that can change the world. And I know, let me say this, because when I say that, that sounds so grandiose. Mm -hmm. But remember, you change the world one person at a time. Right, amen. So you have no idea who you are speaking life to, who will then speak life to someone else that will then Mm -hmm. speak life to someone else. And so just do your part. Just do your part and watch the world change. Right. No one is excluded from that. God has designed each of us on purpose. And so, Robin, you are such a joy. And I wish that we could just keep going. But thank you so much for your time and just for sharing with us today. I've enjoyed being here. Thank you for having me. Well, I don't mean to say I told you so, but I totally did tell you. Robin has so much goodness and insight to share. And as she mentioned, she's been sharing even more mental health videos and tips over on good old Instagram. So soak those up and be sure and connect with us at the Messy Table Podcast. Guys, all of the links and resources mentioned are linked in the conversation notes. You can also subscribe for free wherever you like to stream, which allows you to be the first to know when a new episode goes live. And last, as we finish up this month and ultimately head into summer, guys, don't forget, Yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.